I, I, I hold people that are six hands. That is my job. And as strange as that sounds, and I don't mean this in a, in a it is just a beautiful thing to do. Um, people with dementia, people, you know, people with dementia mostly and senile degeneration of the brain and uh, different cancers and Parkinson's, whatever it is. And these are still people. And these are still people that are living and maybe not at the maximum of their lives, but still brings, you can still bring smile to their face and bring joy. And that's my job. That's kind of my ministry now. everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lessing bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson and joining me as a return guest ari burke was on here back in episode 31 of set lessing bruce i did the research back in february 2016 was the last time he was with me and boy, does that seem like a lifetime ago. How are you doing, Rabbi? I'm doing well, and it does seem like a lifetime ago, and uh, very different, even staying in the same city, um, but different houses where I'm talking to you this time, and we have new Bruce to talk about, at least, you know, there's a, which is always nice to, nice to see. You know, it was, I was sitting there, and I was going, okay, you know, well, let's see, what's new? Oh, well, we haven't talked about autobiography. We haven't talked about Dwight. We haven't talked Western Stars. We haven't talked a letter to you. We haven't talked the Jeep commercial. We have, I mean, just so, uh, but before we get started, for those of you who didn't go back five years ago, tell my audience a little about yourself. I am a Canadian born who lives in Ohio now, Columbus, Ohio. And I am a hospice chaplain at the current time. I've been a hospice chaplain in the last four years. I think I might have just started when I was talking to the last time and uh, a very different life than the uh, life in a pulpit that I had uh, before this Uh, really rewarding. And I think um, I hear different things in my music than I used to hear um, because my life is surrounded by death, but it's not as bad as that. I'm not an undertaker. I'm not morbid. It's actually, um how I live my life now and uh, how I see other people's lives it's very interesting to see um people at the end of their lives so uh and jumping right into letters to you I I found that album really Bruce looking at his own mortality you know um I I've shared this a couple of times um I had a lady on the podcast um a few episodes ago uh Callista who does Morning Room, and she hosts the podcast. She's in Great Britain, and she specifically, um, the podcast is for uh, people of color. Um, She is, uh, you know, for people like uh, Hindu or Muslims of different faiths, and she feels like their stories don't get told very often. And as we were talking, she was absolutely a brilliant guest. And I, I really just enjoyed talking to her. And I just casually mentioned, you know, you should check out Letter to You because there's a lot of songs about grief in this. And three days later, you know, Rabbi, she came to me. She goes, oh, my God, this album is totally about grief. I'm like, do you want to come back? And she did. And we spent an hour talking about the album and grief and the different ways we grieve um and that's a a episode that's going to come out in a in a few weeks um so i'm i'm going to be nosy why did you decide to become a hospice chaplain the the opportunity arose and we had moved back here to be with my mother-in-law at the end of her life Mm -hmm. and um it just happened to be something that arose, uh, came up in Columbus, needed a job. And to, you ever find something, you just find your calling later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just beautiful to be with people that aren't asking anything from you except your presence. 
I'm not out there to try to fundraise or to try to uh, promote anything. I, I, I hold people that are six hands. That is my job. And as strange as that sounds, and I don't mean this in a, in a it is just a beautiful thing to do. Um, people with dementia, people, you know, people with dementia mostly and senile degeneration of the brain and uh, different cancers and Parkinson's, whatever it is. And these are still people. And these are still people that are living and maybe not at the maximum of their lives, but still brings, you can still bring smile to their face and bring joy. Um, and that's my job. That's kind of my ministry now. I remember when um, my when my my mother-in-law passed away and my father-in-law had passed before and both of them were active in volunteering in the hospice and the priest talked about we call them angels you know hospice organizations and um and i can remember when my grandfather died and um i was in the hospital with him with my aunt and my mom just needed a break and she later said she was so happy not to be in the room when it happened but she was glad that I was there so that she felt like through extension she was being her oldest and I remember he's you know he's passed and it's sad and um, the Catholic priest who was Episcopalian and had converted you know we were talking came and he said well would you like me to pray with you and my aunt, who is a staunch Southern Baptist, said, I will never turn down a chance for prayer from anyone. And he gave this simple prayer. And I will tell you, Rabbi, just it's like someone turned on the faucet. I just could not stop crying. And just a few minutes before, I wasn't. And I've always remembered him. Um, I can see his face. I don't even remember his name, but I see his face. And I remember that spirit that he was bringing there, that 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 sense of um, togetherness and and of love and affection was there, and um, I'm sure your work is sad at times, but also must be joyous in the feeling of satisfaction. It it definitely is, and I and I'm not. I don't know if they're going to be listening, but it is definitely. I work with the greatest group of people, and I've never been able to say that before. Not that I work with bad people just a team of angels and watching their humanity. Yeah. Uh, it encourages me during this really rough last four years, forget just this last year, this, this rough four and a half, four and a half years, it feels like I went through or America went through, uh, in my opinion, it, it made it, it, there was definitely needed uh, to be with good people and caring people and uh, show empathy. Uh, I think that if anything we've learned over this last year of COVID, how important it is to have empathy for others. Yeah, and I we won't get too political, but I am going to go a little bit of there. I want to talk to you. It does seem the what hurts me the mo- what frustrates me the most is the hypocrisy of the past four years and the lack of empathy that the, you know and and it it it, it, it you know it it angers me, it frustrates me, and it makes me you know. Um, and it, you just see the how it's night and day, the two administrations, just that quickly. And, and, and I'm not saying that either party is all perfect, but just the can you at least care? Just care. is. And is I, I think that's what we saw last week when President Biden made his announcement. Did he make any special or earth shattering thing? And maybe the fact that we're going to have enough vaccine doses for everyone. And, you know, he's not going out there and making it, but he's making sure it happens. And with Merck and Merck working with Johnson and Johnson to make sure people have that shot or there's enough of them when the world doesn't have enough shots. It's just amazing how I asked my wife last night, why isn't every chemical company making this right now? Just so the billions can be done for the world. But besides that, what you watch President Biden just give was be a leader that was showing his empathy for those um from the Asians of experienced hate crimes to the people who have just lost family members. And I don't want anything more for my leaders. I don't need them to come in, cook me dinner. I don't need it. I don't need it's. I want just to hear some empathy because it is what the nation was feeling. 
Um, and it must be what artists are feeling because I think we're, I think we're going to hear a lot of grief inspired, um, not sad, but I think we're going to see a different kind of art coming out from this whole thing. The, so how have you done you and your family over this past year? How are you guys doing during this such difficult times? Uh, I think it's, we've been blessed that we both have kept our jobs during this period, which is, uh, those families that have had to deal with this and be in a home in order to teach our children are out of the house. Our daughter did come home for a little while uh, from university, uh, but she did it online. Um, and I think it was hard for her because she was trying to be respectful of her parents who potentially could have more morbidities than her. And so she kept to a minimum of friend group. They always stayed outside. Uh, it's been tough because I'm the extrovert in my family and my wife's the introvert. My wife, my wife often jokes, she was, she was made for this kind of, uh, she was made for COVID. She has no problem. Yeah. She's but, like, what, what explain to me, you know, it's the old joke. Um, I, uh, the writer, Isaac Asimov, um, Caves of Steel was one of his detective novels. And it was set in a world where everything was underground. You never went outside. And they talked about what a dark, horrible place. And Dr. Asimov supposed to like, what because he was just someone who and and i'm that way too i never open the blinds in the house i am perfectly fine you know oh, and, my, wow. and okay. my wife will come up and go what are you doing and she'll open up all the blinds and like gotta let sunshine in i i am missing the simplicity of getting a coffee and sitting at an outdoor table or an indoor table with the noise of humanity all around me yes i can be listening to a podcast it doesn't matter it's just the hustle and bustle of the people. It's seeing people. Um, it, it's so, it's been a challenging year. And again, in the job I do, like I said, I hold hands. Doing it virtually, it's amazing that our employers kept us on and we were there as a presence, but uh, doing this job virtually is not easy because especially if people have trouble seeing a screen, we don't think of the, you know, you and I are lucky. We both may wear glasses, but we can see the screen. We can hear what's being said. Yeah very challenging when you have a person with uh with illnesses and uh, dementia to be able to do that but we all tried our best we prayed we worked with people and those nurses those aides that COVID didn't stop them and we had people get sick we didn't thank god did not lose anyone on the team but we lost patients that you know it sounds strange patients that were on hospice that yes, they're going to die, but they didn't have to die like that. COVID went through um, nursing homes and, and um, assisted living homes like a tornado. Yeah. And Rob Carmack, who's been on the show multiple times, is, um, you know, is a pastor of, uh, of a church here in the DFW area. And he talked about early in the pandemic, you know, he said... I'm as a pastor, my job is to visit the sick, to comfort the people hurting. And I'm having to try to do that by a Zoom call. And it's just not the same. Um, you know, you you want to hug people and, and feel them. And, and as you said, hold their hand as they're feeling and you're having to do that virtually, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you gave as much comfort you could, but I know you must have been frustrated and your heart broke a little bit. It, it did. And I was thinking as we were talking, the funerals that I've done where a few people gathered around a graveside with other people watching on Zoom. And then just as you handle a podcast and this, the technical strangeness of doing something on Zoom where trying to get people to mute or not talk during a service is hard enough and let alone at a funeral when you hear people saying and then one the funeral director told me that once the people said we lost the picture at one point and the camera had fallen into the grave oh no and, and like and they all of a sudden they could see dirt being shoveled onto it and then finally they realized the camera was uh in the grave and he had to go get down and get it um there's there's humor in everything there is humor uh, in everything it's been, there it's been a tough year Mm -hmm. um, it, it's been a tough year and you, there are the highlights, you know, that you have to find those, those moments. 
I, I don't buy that many albums anymore with all the different ways to have music. Right. But when, and, and I didn't buy Western Stars when it came out because I thought, this doesn't sound right to me. It didn't sound at first. And then I kept listening to it on Spotify. And then I said, okay, I'm buying this because it, it, it took a while for that to get into me, Western Stars, mm. the orchestration of it. And, but with uh, Letters to You, I just bought it right away. Um, and I'm glad, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad I bought both these albums and they, I've been in the car listening to them. And uh, what's he trying to tell us? Like, I haven't, I haven't wanted to venture into the podcast yet with Barack Obama and Bruce. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And you mentioned the Jeep commercial. I was not upset that Bruce Springsteen got, you know, got caught with a DUI. I was not on a soapbox going, oh my gosh. I, I The kind of, the Jeep commercial itself, the, I, I watched the one time and I'm like, okay, I agree, but do I need this guy when he's not singing, do I need him to speak it to me? So different than when he's, if the message came through a song or the message coming through him speaking. So I'm glad you did that. And I was going to, I was going to do something light first, but since you brought it up, we'll do that. And then we'll go to something light. Um, So I I do not remember who said this and I've quoted it multiple times. Um, The reaction of the Jeep commercial from the far right and the far left tells you how far away we are from the middle, right? That, that, that how dare this guy who's, who wasn't talking about going to the middle when Donald Trump was president now asked for us the middle, how I'm not going to the middle with people who are racist to people who don't want to support same-sex marriage. They want to, uh, uh, you know, get away. They, they want people to stop voting. They want to get rid of women's right to choose, you know, all these different things. Um, I am a 61-year-old white guy that grew up in a Baptist household, and then when I started dating my wife, who was Catholic, I converted to Catholicism, Uh, have had a rocky relationship with um, God in whatever form he takes um, through some various reasons that probably we should if you wanted to counsel me we could spend two hours talking about my journey um but i i realize i see things through a different lens and you know a couple people said i'm not a christian and they're talking about the middle and they set this in a chapel with a with a cross and you know that didn't even hit me because my first thought was well a chapel at a hospital is open to all faiths and Mm -hmm. a a whoever is the minister at the chapel um ministers to people at all faiths so in my mind as a 62 year old white guy who was raised in a christian home I, i didn't find that offensive at all you are as i've called you rabbi you know uh you are of a jewish faith you are a professional man of god did that bother you at all no but i look at it a different way i look at this america is a christian country even though we have other religions in it and so when christianity is just brought as the main focus or it's brought into a church i just say okay i'm in a place where there's a majority of christians um and so it didn't it didn't bother me or or i i didn't notice it until you're saying it now that it didn't really make me lift my eyebrow or anything like that interesting Uh, but i i wanted to tell you if you're still on the journey with god then you don't need to be counseled because it is just a journey if you're set in your ways and you're telling me this is it that's where i have more problems with i think it is it is just a journey that we're all on. And again, we get to too much Springsteen then, but uh, it, we're all on this journey with, with our audience, with our conversations with God. We are just part of this journey. And if you just stop and you're in one place, it may be good for you. But I think being part of the journey is the real, the real message that we all have. My people took 40 years to get from Egypt to Israel. And yes, we're, we're used to long journeys. <laughs> well, and um, there is a new podcast out uh, the one lyric uh, that um, I had uh, him on my uh, podcast 
and uh, he um, his his premise is he's asking people to join the show and pick one Springsteen lyric and share it with his audience. Um, and it, it was he's absolutely wonderful. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on this exact name of the podcast, but um, I will probably pick Better Days because when people ask me, what is your favorite Springsteen song? I, I usually do Land of Hope and Dreams, Better Days, and the third changes every day. Um, and Better Days to me is that life is a journey and, you know, you can't, you, you can't, wait for your ship to come in while it's all just, you know, pissing away. Um, and so, yes, I agree with you about not only your spiritual journey, but life is journey at all. And enjoying that journey, too many people go, well, when the kids are out of diapers, then I'll enjoy being a parent. You know, when they sleep through the night, then I'll enjoy being a parent. Um, oh, when I have grandkids, that's when it's going to be fun. When I get a promotion, that's when I'm going to enjoy. Versus, no, you, 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 you will never get that time again where your children being a baby. Enjoy that. Love it. Appreciate it. You're never going to get those. And it's hard, rebellious teenagers. But understand that that helps you to go later to appreciate the fact when they're adults and they share time with you. So um, better days is one of, I think, is another way of saying what you are, right? You got to keep moving and just enjoy the journey. Well, I, and be in conversation. Uh, and you do that for, you know, as part of a, your hobby, or I don't know if this is yep. the second. This, no, this is just a hobby. Yep. Uh, uh, it is definitely we we've seen too much I, i'm i'm scared because i now work with eight christian clergy members now mm-hmm. and i and we're all chaplains we're all from different denominations and what what we all have in common is our is our search for meaning and to understanding and to how to live in this world with a relationship with god uh again and i've gotten used to and again i was very uncomfortable that you know i say god all the time that's how i get through the world they say Jesus. And I realize now that it is for them, the same thing for me as a Jew. It's always like, when they say Jesus, I go, why aren't they saying God? But you know, it took me a while to understand that it isn't, it's not that complex, but it is, it really is when you ask people to explain it. Um, It's, it's wonderful to work with um, people of different faiths. That is, that has been one of the the great gifts also in this. Oh, I imagine. And, and, and I do, you know, I think that is a wonderful thing. So this was my light topic. Oh, go Um, ahead. I understand um, you have blessings. You have new members of the family. Share a little bit about this. Well, COVID took away our ability to go to, we were supposed to go to Israel in May of 2020 to go to our son and daughter-in-law's wedding. And that did not happen we got we had to watch it with her parents also the wedding was in israel the two of them live in israel and uh they were married in a small ceremony when you could have a gathering of 15 to 20 people um it was in a backyard beautiful wedding but we watched it on zoom and if anything i'll always be angry at COVID for is the um taking that away from us yes. not being able to be there and we watched it on zoom with uh, other people and uh, my parents thank god they're still with us and um, that was hard, but then the blessing came in January of 2021. We did get to Israel. We had to fill out a lot of paperwork. You would get into the country, even though things were closed, if you were a, for a death or if you could go in for the birth, uh, you to be there with your children if you, they lived there and you didn't. And so we filled out all the paperwork. We flew in and uh, even taking the flight was a religious question that we had because in our faith, uh, those that are call themselves the most religious have not been taking this coronavirus as seriously. And in the ultra Orthodox world, there has been a high rate of COVID and um, did not want to fly. I would never travel on the Sabbath, but we did not want to get on a plane with our brethren that we're not taking this seriously. And we're avoiding the wearing masks, even though United was saying masks were mandatory um, so we flew on a Friday night, which was very unusual for us. 
And there, that way there would be no ultra-Orthodox on the plane. And it was an interesting being on a plane of maybe a full, a plane with maybe 50 to 60 people on it. But we got to go there and we spent 10 days in quarantine. And then um, our beautiful identical girl, twin grandchildren, our first granddaughters were born. And with a year that it's been and everything we've seen, just getting to see your grandchildren and two of them coming out in double portion uh, was amazing. And, and a feeling that I'm still on a high from. Well, first off, congratulations. I am, I am so happy. And um, my, my second thought is ah, second chance because I don't know if you remember but I was listening to your podcast earlier today because I knew we were going to talk. And one of the things you talked about is no matter how much you threw it against your children's wall, Springsteen did not stick. Did not stick. And I still, <laughs> I still have, I still have issues with that, that none of them are huge Springsteen yeah. fans, but all of them love music. Yeah. Yeah. So brand new generation. I, I I said to them, I'm going to play that play them Springsteen, and I think I did even to have someone on the while I was feeding one. Um, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But I I also hope they will be true Sabras, being born there in Israel. Um, that's what native-born Israelis are called, and that they'll have the language skills that I'm still struggling with. That they will be able to listen to both English rock and roll, and 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 go ahead and listen to Hebrew mm-hmm. and both of them feel so comfortable and feel native to them both because they'll end up being bilingual. Um, and we, we, we're hoping, we're hoping for that. I really, that's what I would really love to see the next generation of, uh, uh, of our family that is totally bilingual. That is, that is a beautiful, and that is great. And I can, I can only imagine after the year that we've had to be able to go through um, your own, you know, talk about a journey you know it wasn't 40 days but it certainly wasn't you know two days in a plane and jump in and there we go right you're having to go through all this yeah there was it was it was you know traveling at this time period and being in a country where uh, the rate was high at that time and they had to shut down again and they even shut down the airport and our flight kept being canceled when we had to go home and just being with understanding bosses that uh, I worked the whole time from there because I wasn't allowed in buildings anyways. And when I said to my boss, I said, I'd love to be able to go for this and be with my grandchildren. These bosses said, go be with your grandchildren. And I said, I'm willing to work while I'm there. And they said, excellent, we'll get you a plan. And so I had a phone plan and I I got to work from there again, except three to 11, not uh, seven hours difference. So (laughs) it was a different time timing and it was a little hard to make those late meetings. I but, bet. Uh, it, it's, it is, I, I don't know if you have grandchildren yet. No, I do not. Okay. So it's, it, I never thought I would like, you know, one of those people I'm most joyous. And again, looking for joy in this year, watching my parents who 83 and 78, the joy seeing their great grandchildren being born. Oh, I can imagine. Sending them pictures and they are over the top. It makes me happy just looking at them when they talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so there, there is happiness to find in this year um, to go along with, you know, the sorrow that many people uh, are feeling. I mean, I think it's going to be hard when this whole thing is over to find someone who hasn't experienced or have, you know, a degree of separation from COVID. Uh, and we have all been affected by it. Um, well, I, I've, I've said multiple times on the podcast that um, absolutely there is grief about all the people we've lost. Um, you know, as a, as a nation, as, you know, a community and in some families, um, I've been lucky, very few, no one in my immediate family has been lost, but we have certainly aware of people that in our extended family that have lost. But I do think we will have to take the time, and you mentioned it a little bit, um, where the people that graduated high school that didn't get a prom didn't get a graduation ceremony the the concerts you didn't get to see 
um, I was supposed to go see the Eagles for the first time ever. Got canceled. Uh, you know, uh, was supposed to go see Lily Hyatt, John Hyatt's daughter. I had just recently discovered her. She was touring. Um, the two surviving monkeys were coming to Dallas, Michael Nesmith and Mickey Dolenz. And I was said, this what a fun night of nostalgia. Got canceled. Uh, there were plays my wife and I were going to go see. We we didn't get to see. And in the scheme of things, that's very minor compared to people losing family members and people losing their jobs. I got lucky, like yourself. Um, I was laid off in January, um, started a new job on February 10th. And then in March, this happened. And my wife all the time says, what would we have done if they your previous company had tried to be kind and didn't lay you off at the beginning of January. What if they said, okay, we're gonna wait till February to lay off Jesse, then trying to find a job in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you know, and the job I do, I run a dispatch center for roadside assistance for RVs. Mm. The RV industry went crazy during COVID. And so our business is busier than ever. Um, and so a lot of blessings on my end, but there are things that we have missed and you're right. I mean, not seeing your child get married in person to, to hug the couple, to celebrate together, to dance with your daughter-in-law for your wife to dance with your son to you to dance with your son and hug yes you're glad everyone's safe but that is something we will have to mourn yes and and it's it's funny because you were mentioning some of the commandments we actually have to make to rejoice with the bride and groom to make uh you know make it a fun experience and uh so we miss that because i i do just want to say that my wife and i are not real drinkers but we were feeling very anxious that day. And I think we had a drink at nine 30 in the morning because the wedding was going to happen just a yes. little bit later. And so we poured ourselves a drink and we, and I said it, I was wiped out for the, after the wedding. I was just like, I can't drink during the day. I don't know how people do this, <laughs> but it was, we took, took the day off and I went to watch the wedding and it was beautiful. Um, and really people to be thankful for. You're talking about concerts though. And all of a sudden my phone went off this evening, just at uh, the app bands in town or something. Yeah. And all of a sudden Chris Stapleton's coming to the Schottenstein center here in Columbus. And I immediately looked, I go, when is it? April 21st. I go, I'll be finished getting vaccinated. I'll be 10 days past the vaccination. But now the question is, what about the other people? Am I willing to go into a 15, 20,000 seat arena that's closed in? Even if I wear a mask and I've been vaccinated, do I go and put myself in that position now? I, I I'd love to see Chris Stapleton. I would die. To, you know, I think he's. I think his voice is something that you don't hear anymore. Yes. It's so wonderful. Um, but I'm not sure I'm willing to go back into a concert again in an open and in an inside arena. So I, that is so. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so. Last Thursday, I got my first um, Pfizer shot. Uh, just I was on the waiting list. And Wednesday night, um, I had finished doing a podcast. And I looked at my phone. And it was from the Denton County and said, hey, there's been, due to cancellations, um, anytime after 930 tomorrow, you can go get vaccinated. So I immediately took a screenshot and texted my boss and my coworkers, you know, I like, I didn't even look at my calendar. Is it a good time? Right. It's like, okay, we, you have to go. It's like Springsteen tickets and people made that joke. <laughs> getting a vaccine is like getting Springsteen tickets. Now the world knows what we're feeling. Um, so Friday night, my wife and I are sitting um, in the living room and, and we were uh, about to watch Rachel Maddow and um, you know, she says, hit pause for a minute. And she goes, so she goes, I haven't gotten a shot yet, but you have. Uh, two of our best friends that we have not seen in over a year, two sisters, um, they are both in the process of getting their shots. And, you know, Linda said, as soon as I get my shot, that's the first thing I want to do. I want to go to dinner with Denise and Andrea. And I go, absolutely. So she says, you get your other shot. 
you know, what will you do? What are you comfortable doing? And she, before she could say anything, she goes, and I understand if Bruce tours, that there's no thought you're going. Like, I understand shot, no shot. If Bruce is touring, you're going to be there. And I go, yes, sad to say, luckily, Bruce is smarter than I am. Yes. And he's not touring. But yes, I will. I cannot look you in the face and not say, yeah, 60,000 people. I got a shot to go see Bruce again. I'm going to. But haven't you haven't you done the math in your head going, hold it. When can this be over? Yes. Letters came out this time. Bruce is 72, right? 72? Yeah. And I go, how much longer is he going to be able to do those two, three hour shows? Exactly. I go, he's got a pub, you know, he's got to try to get this album out there, you know, for more people to hear. And yeah. people want to see them live. And yes. no one's getting younger in that group. Exactly. You know? I go, yes. so I'm just doing the math and going, hold it. He's got to get out there and perform. We've got yes, to get him out absolutely. there. So, uh, the, and what led her to do that is the um, the baseball team here in Dallas, the Texas Rangers, said that on opening day, they were opening 100 percent, 40,000 people in the open air stadium, uh, though it does have a roof. They are going to ask everyone to wear a mask and unless you're, um, you know, eating or drinking. And I told Linda, no, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable going there. I said, in fact, I'm let's exclude Bruce. I don't know if I'm comfortable going to a concert. Now, maybe an open air where I know we could attach a little bit and everyone's wearing a mask, maybe I'd be okay. Um, and, you know, I have some very close friends that before COVID, once a month, the six to eight of us had a poker game once a month you know, every four to six weeks, we went to someone's house, we played poker all night. And it was just an excuse for us to talk about our jobs and talk about our family and just kind of catch up on things. And I go that I miss that. I mean, if my buddies are, I miss seeing that I miss meeting people for dinner. I miss people coming to the house for dinner, but I don't know if I would go either, I guess is my long answer. I, I would be tempted, but, um, you know, Dylan was supposed to be here and I've never seen Dylan and I had tickets. Uh, he was going to be in an outdoor arena and they canceled. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, if once again, if he was playing and it was outdoor, I, and I'm, I've gotten both shots, I'd be tempted to go. What, but let, let's just, Forget code for a moment. Do you really want to see Dylan at his? Is aren't we pushing it to the limit? Like I don't want to see eighty-something-year-old Bruce out there. I want to remember him. Like at seventy-two, he's in great shape. He yeah. still would go out there and crowd surf. Dylan is a different guy. Do I want to hear him in that way, or do I want to just just watch you know the Martin Scorsese film on Netflix and watch the Rolling Thunder review? Do do I don't know if I want to hear him at this point in, in his career, and I love him too. No, I think the reason why is um, my friend Sam, who adores Bob, was going to go, and so that was part of it. I could go okay. with Sam, right, and we could make a night out of it. But I remember one of the last tours Tom Petty toured, and Sam came in the next morning and said, I said, how was it? He goes, I think this was the Tom Petty tour that Tom Petty fans would hate because he played every song I wanted to hear. And I am a casual Tom Petty fan. So all I can think is the hardcore Ted, you know, Petty fans are complaining this morning that he didn't do anything but hits. Um, so I never saw Petty perform live. And I'm like, now I never can. So I think that's partly the reason why but if Sam wasn't going, I probably wouldn't be as lone to go. Um, Sam is as a big a you know Dylan fan as I am a Springsteen fan, and so again, no disrespect to I totally get folks. that. No, no disrespect to to uh, Bob Dylan of the greatest yeah. respect and honor to him. Uh, just at a certain point, uh, and I don't know if I told you this in the last podcast, I saw Neil Young. I love Neil Young, fellow Canadian. Yeah. Saw him in uh, the Kodak, what used to be the Kodak Theater in Los Angeles. 
great venue, just him, not Crazy Horse. He had the curmudgeoniest stage presence yeah. that it just turned me off. Like it wasn't a, it was, he wasn't fun. His music was still great and he sounded good, but he wasn't fun. He wasn't playful with the audience. And in a way you're going to see someone live, you want a little bit of connection. You do. And you feel, you feel that at the back of the stadium with Bruce. You know, it doesn't Absolutely. matter. The, but he made no attempt. And I don't, what age will our people be that will stop going to see him? Like when you said the monkeys, I had a laugh because I, I'm, a, I'm a few years younger than you, only, only four, yeah. four or five. And it's still... I don't know if I'd go see the, the two remaining monkeys. I mean, it's, it's, that might be fun, though. I mean, they, well, they that was my thought was I was like, OK, this will be a fun nostalgia. I'm not expecting a lot. Um, but, but here's here's the thing yeah. I will tell you. And this is my fear that I have from my job. You go into these assisted livings and facilities. And my fear isn't the getting old. My fear isn't some of the things that go along. I see the entertainment that goes into these places. And you've got people that are now, you know, they were born, some of them World War II vets, but not as many anymore. So yeah. people born in the 30s, 40s, and even 50s. And the entertainment is still at that slow paced, you know, kind of like Frank Sinatra or earlier kind of singing. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But are they going to bring in entertainers when I have to go to the home that are rocking out and bringing an electric guitar and are going unplugged with playing some fun stuff? Because if I get to that home and I have to hear, you know, Perry Como, I'm not going to be very happy about it. <laughs> right. Like, uh, like I was born in 59. Right. So, you know, I'm wanting, um, you know, I, I'm going to want to hear, um, you know, a cover, you know, someone coming in there and doing, um, you know, some Eagles, some Fleetwood Mac. Yes. You know, I, you know hey, I'm OK with them doing a Casey and the Sunshine Band song, right, for fun and getting, oh, this is for all the women out there. Let's get out. Um, it yeah. is kind of interesting to think about that and what they're going to do. Um, did you did you go see him in Broadway? No. And in fact, I haven't finished the episode on Netflix. For some reason, I disconnected from it. It I, did not speak to you. It did not speak to me. I don't know why, especially watching it on TV. I, I have friends who paid a lot of money for those tickets yeah. on Broadway. And I, that's really nice. I think that's great. Um, I would not have spent that much money. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why it didn't, didn't speak to me. I'm not, I, again, I read, I've read two books. I read Born to Run. I read the, another book by someone else about him, but I don't know why all the speaking didn't help me. Did um, you did you like the Western Stars film? I did like the Western Stars more film, than you because originally you said you the album didn't speak the, to you. The did album the I thought help? was overly orchestrated at first, but that was just my own reaction to it. And now I play it and I love it, especially and I love the lyrics. The film and Letters to You both. I thought were done more personally and up close and with the other yes. band members uh, or the, you know, the full, the way the barn, I think the barn was more of a character in oh. Western Starn was just, was so beautiful the way it worked out. Did you um, picture having a wedding there? I, I pictured wishing I could have been one of those people at a table. Oh my gosh, Rabbi. So, you know, my wife reaches over very early into the film and says, you really want to be one of those people, don't you? And I'm like, yes. So then, you know, we stay because they had announced beforehand that there was a little bit of a bonus feature after the film, right? So we're in the theater and um, they're showing the credits and they show audience members and they get their name. And I look at Linda, they not only got to go to the show, they got in the credits, they got an IMDB, you know, credit out of this place. And how many names have you copied down and uh, tried to get on your podcast? You know, I haven't done any of them, but I should. That is a great idea. Just to find out what it was like. Yeah. Um, It's uh, it is, it was, that was more personal to me than the Broadway show was. Yeah. Uh, the Western side. I felt, 
I, I, you know, I just felt it was a very personal piece of art yeah. that he was giving us. And at first I go, what is that whole orchestra? But now I'm like, really sounds good. But I, it took, it's probably the, the album that took the longest to grow on. Uh, although I, I don't, I've never, Trax has never grown on me. So I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, the, um, the greedy fan in me wanted three or four songs in the film I mean, I, I loved, you know, Rhinestone Cowboy. That was a great little surprise. But all yeah. I could think was, you know, the same way the Seeger session took a couple of Bruce standards and kind of played it with them, you know, either Atlantic City or Open All Night growing up. I was like, how cool would it have been if he had picked three or four songs and had this full orchestra play it with him, uh, you know, just as a bonus. But it's because I'm greedy. Right. I wanted more songs. Does does he owe us? I mean, when we now because we're he talks about this stuff. He like, you know, if you really believe him and take him to his word that he's in a conversation with his fans and his yes. audience. Do do we expect too much? Like, do we want too much from him? And does at a certain point, is he going to be able to produce it? It seems like the lyrics are coming out of him rapidly now it it just it just feels like the pace is picked up so i i don't care like it doesn't bother me if like you said broadway didn't speak to you that doesn't bother me rabbi if you had said western stars i didn't get it or i didn't care for wrecking ball or magic you know um the thing that bothered me is someone posted on a Facebook page after letter to you came out and said, I wish he would stop putting out new material. He's, he is diminishing his reputation. He's oh, diminishing. Oh gosh. How, it, they didn't listen to the album close enough or what were they, what were they expecting? It's, it's now a 72 year old man talking to us. Right. And he's, and he's talking about his friend. Yes, that that is is now gone, and it's almost like you know the friend now. Yes, and <laughs> and I've always said that, um, you know, I I said I I quoted I quoted Land of Hope and Dreams at one of my best friends' funeral when my father died. I quoted Land of Hope and Dreams, and I've always said that years from now, my hope is that my son will quote Land of Hope and Dreams. And then I'll see you in my dreams came out and I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I may have a different lyric that I want you to say. Um, I am okay. If you don't like the, his new material, but as far as I'm concerned, there's not much he can do to creatively that can tarnish his reputation. Um, I did have a couple of people reach out to me that have been on the podcast that are in the program and that have had substance abuse issues worry. My worry is with his fight with depression, this DWI COVID, is he okay? You know, a couple of people reached out to me there. And then later when they came back, okay, now that we know the rest of the story, you know, I don't, I don't know I don't, any rest of this. Well, I don't know what the rest of the story is, but I do know that the book was, he was so clear in the book, how alcohol wasn't a big deal for him. Yes. Like having a beer. So yeah. it sounds like he had two shots and just left too quickly. Yes. That's or exactly it, right. It, it doesn't sound like there's like, okay, he could have waited another hour. It doesn't but, sound like he was drunk. It, again, he was over a limit. Fine. No, he wasn't over the limit. Oh, he that wasn't was the rest the of the thing. That's what they said when it came out later that it's 0.08 in Jersey and he was 0.02. So then how do you uh, even get arrested for a DUI then? Well, because suspicion of DWI, they, oh. he was in a national, he was in a state national park and you aren't supposed to drink. And so the guy. Um, I thought he was in a bar. No, this was actually in a park. What had happened is oh. he had pulled over. A bunch of people had Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. He pulled over in his motorcycle. And this was the Saturday that it officially had become that Biden was going to win the Electoral College. Have a drink with us. Have a drink with us. He had a couple of shots of tequila. And uh, which I would say, Bruce, 
you do know there's a pandemic on. Is this a good idea that you're sharing uh, alcohol? But anyway, and so he was arrested on that. Um, so, um, you know, the charges were dismissed. He had to pay a fine. He pleaded guilty for drinking in a, you know, federal park. And, you know, the joke was the guy said it's a $500 fine, $550 with court costs, and we can arrange a payment plan. And Bruce said, I think I can pay it in full. <laughs> You know, um, so oh, I'm just thinking when you're saying that now, the a Springsteen memory that in the last few years that came up that I don't know why. And it, I get I, I'm not so yeah. interested in family or anything. But the moment that I saw him at the swearing in ceremony when his son became a fireman. Yes. For some reason, I thought good for good for them. Yes. Because really, that kid could be like, you know, spoiled rotten. Yes, you know whatever he is, and then just seeing them as parents there, I don't yes. usually follow up too much, but I saw that somewhere, and I just felt that was nice. That that was just a moment where I said, just down to earth, um, because I think sometimes with Springsteen, I, and especially with the cost of tickets, because I, I wish I could afford to sit really close and have great seats, but they, it's it's really crazy. I'm actually kind of worried when they come out next. How much will it be to see that you know the East Street Bannon and yes. and since I took my wife the last time and I and she enjoyed it, we know she'll come of with course. me. Of course, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's it's um he is the working man. I I don't deny him anything. He's 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 done some great stuff. Listen, that he had the fortitude to stay on Broadway for as long as he did, and for people to keep coming, and he did it night after night, night after yeah. night. Listen, Billy Joel can do those two three shows a. Two, two, three shows a month at Madison Square Garden. Springsteen's out there every night. Seven Absolutely, night. yeah. Um, I do not believe when you were on last, we did the Mary question, did we? Mary? Okay, so we didn't. So uh, before I let you go, um, I have started over the past three or four years. Um, so, um, and if you need a few minutes, that's fine. So Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. He just mm -hmm. recently retired. Every year, he would take his honors English class, his seniors, and they would take two days and they take Thunder Road and they break it apart as a poem. They go through all the lyrics. They talk about the uh, imagery Bruce portrays. They talk about the themes of the song. They compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And at the end of the two days, um, Jay asked this class, does Mary get in the car? So, Rabbi, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I... I've never thought this before. I always thought, yes. That's the, like my first inclination without looking at everything again. I think she does. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm so into it by then that I'm not really paying attention, but yeah, I think, yeah. Okay. Good. I, I, I do want to tell you just about letters to you. Mm -hmm. I, without knowing I was going to be on this uh, two weeks ago or like 10 days ago, I phoned the music therapist and I had letters to you and I was playing it. And I said, I'd love you to learn this for the, for the, those patients who it might mean something to. Um, and uh, what was the song you just named from letters by you that you hope will be. I'll see you in my dreams. Uh, see you in my dreams. Yeah. That was because what is the one line uh, about death? And then the line. Death is not the end. Yeah. Death is not yeah. The end. And I said, this is what we should, this is a beautiful thing for families to hear. Um, and I, I just said that again, I'm always trying to get uh, them to play a little something more than just, you know, <laughs> those yeah. slow stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's absolutely, um, you know, that when you think about it, because um, yeah, I'll, um, I'll see you in my dreams. We'll meet and live and laugh again. I'll see you in my dreams. Yeah. Around the river bend for death is not the end. And I'll see you in my dreams. Right. Which um, I, I think is, I think is a beautiful message for anyone who is in. Well, we can close with this. What a message for this past year uh, for the loss of anyone. I mean, you've experienced personal loss and um, 
I haven't been able to see my parents except on a video screen for 14, 15 months. They live in Canada. It's tougher to get to Canada than it is to get to Israel um, from here. And I'll see you in my dreams. And these are the, these are the things we have to hold on to. And th those are the memories that will hopefully be in our dreams and our imaginations in the years to come. And hopefully our children won't know something like this, but I got a funny feeling masks and COVID aren't going to be out of our lives as quickly as we might hope, but I think life will return back to normal. You're in a state where it's already been declared back to normal, even though medically it, it's not back to normal yet. No. Um, um, I, I wonder what El Paso, how they're going to recover from this, because, you know, from up here, we read the news. I haven't read anything else about Texas, but El Paso just seems like it was a city that was devastated by COVID. Um, Absolutely. And I, I do worry about that. And I, you know, um, flu season was non-existent because we were wearing masks. And so, um, yeah, I, I do think there will be a new normal. I think we will go back. We will have live music. We will get to hug our families. But yes, it is going to be very different. We definitely um, need live music. We yes, need to we do. The, the fairs and the art shows and just the yes. concert outside again. Yeah. We need it for our own souls. Um, for those of us who love music, uh, from everyone, from classical to country to everything yeah. out there, we need it in our lives and we need it to be performed, um, to be together to hear the music too, because uh, you know, there's too much listening alone. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Rabbi Arbake, I've, or Ari Bake, I've worked, I appreciate you so much. Um, you know, we filled an hour very easily. We were joking before, like, what are we going to talk about? I knew we'd talk about it. Um, I love you, my brother. I hope you and your family stay safe. Um, and I, I say this without being overly uh, dramatic. You, the work you're doing is, is God's work. It is, uh, no matter what deity you trust in and believe in helping people go to that next life with love and compassion is something you should be very proud of. I am. And uh, again, I only take it that working with the best people possible makes it, uh, makes it easier. And uh, it's a blessing for me to find something in my fifties, because as you know, when you change jobs, yes. it, is not, it is not an easy thing. And to find something you can be with good people and doing something meaningful. Um, who knew if I, if you would ask me 20 years ago, that this was what I was called for. I would, I would not have guessed this. Um, and it's, it's something that I'm just blessed to be able to be doing, doing right now. Awesome. Um, listeners, you stay safe. Remember to social distance, remember to wash your hands, remember to please ignore the governor of Texas and wear a mask and uh, let's all be good to each other because really that's the only way we're going to get through this for now. Thank you for everything. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Shalom. Thank you to my Patreons, Andrew Goddard, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petri, Elizabeth Bronson, Stephen Malio, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosek, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. You all are my monthly angels. Thank you so much for the love and support you give on this podcast. You are greatly appreciated. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, that listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.